Well, this is it. This is the finale uh, to our series that we're calling Divine Direction, uh, based on the book by Pastor Craig Groeschel. came out just a couple months ago, and uh, he made all these resources available for churches uh, for free. If you picked up the book, I I know you're really getting a lot out of it, as I have. Uh, The series doesn't necessarily cover the content of the book. Uh, The book drills down a lot deeper on all these subjects. Really encourage you to get it, though. Uh, Even the subtitle is Seven Decisions That Will Change Your Life. And and this is only a four-part series, so you know right there, uh, really just scratching the surface. Uh, So this is the finale, and uh, before we jump in, I want to share a couple things, because this is the the big weekend before Holy Week, Easter weekend. It's a little bit different here uh, for the Valley family, so I want to share with you a couple things. First of all, Easter. Easter is going to be at the Bardavon. You've probably heard a lot about this. Our Easter services at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. I encourage you to get tickets. Here's the reason why. There are no tickets left for 11 o'clock. We completely sold out. The Bardavans filled to capacity. Nine o'clock, we only have about a hundred tickets left. So we've given out over 1,500 tickets and uh, chances are we're going to be completely uh, flushed out, uh, uh, completely cleared out of tickets uh, by the end of this weekend. So that's going to be at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock at the Bardavan. Uh, that being said, there's no Thursday service next weekend. We're not having our normal Thursday gathering, no Thursday service uh, next weekend because we have two Good Friday services uh, on Friday and then two on Easter as well. And I also want to show you uh, the parking plan in the city of Poughkeepsie. Here's the Bardavon right here. We have this parking lot across the street, across Market Street, available to us. Just what it's for free. You just drive in, say, I'm with Valley Christian Church, they'll let you in for free. Also, parking at Cannon Street lot is free. Also, just tell them you're with Valley Christian Church. And if need be, on Academy Street, just about a block off uh, from the Bardavon. So those three parking lots. Now that diagram is on our website. You can take a look at that, study that a little bit more, but that diagram is on our website under our Easter page. So uh, looking forward to seeing everyone there. Uh, It's going to be really what we're calling Valley's Epic Easter, uh, to say the least. So we're expecting 1,600, 1,700 people uh, between the two services, which is really remarkable. And we've got some great things uh, in store for Easter Sunday. So Good Friday, there's no services on Thursday. Good Friday, 5 and 7 o'clock here at Hopewell only. You don't need a ticket for that or anything. And then Easter, join us for the big celebration uh, in Poughkeepsie. And, and literally people are just coming into the office left and right. They haven't even ever attended Valley and asking for tickets. So uh, they're going really, really fast. So we're here now at the... Um, conclusion of this series, the finale of this series that we're calling Divine Direction. I want to talk about what I think is probably the most critical thing uh, in the whole process of Divine Direction. And I'm calling this Just Start because the start is really the absolutely important thing, the critical thing when it comes uh, to following divine direction. We can receive all kinds of divine direction, but if we don't actually move on it, if we don't actually start, it doesn't benefit us uh, at all. So really the truth is to start, to step towards your destiny, oftentimes you have to step away from your security. Uh, No one has ever accomplished anything from God playing it safe, let me put it that way. And so we have to step away from our security in order to accomplish uh, really the destiny that God has for us. And, and here's, the, here's the thing that I, I've just observed in my own life and, and as a leader, as a pastor uh, for, for many, many years now, it's the start that stops most people. It's the start that stops most people. You'll never finish anything you don't start first. A lot of people plan, a lot of people think it through, a lot of people, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that someday. And do you realize that today is yesterday's someday? Someday is like this fictional, just dreamland that, that we just put it off, put it off, put it off. And, and so really the critical thing about divine direction is, yes, receiving it, but then starting it. Just start it, taking that first step is so absolutely incre- uh, incredibly important. You'll never finish anything that you don't first start. And so during our time together today, I want to really encourage you to just have the faith in God to take that first step and to start. We want to look at a story uh, during our time together in the book of Nehemiah, and I want to give you the backstory to the book of Nehemiah. If you have your Valley Christian Church app, if you'll go ahead and open it up, and you're going to find the passage, you're going to read the passage. It's going to be pretty long, but uh, it's so good, I wanted to make sure that we took time to read it. 
We'll put it up on the screen in just a minute. But just to give you a little bit of background to the story of what's happening in the book of Nehemiah. God had told in the Old Testament through Moses, had told the nation of Israel that if they obeyed him, he would bless them as a nation. The problem is they went into idolatry really, really quick after God led them out of uh, slavery and captivity in Egypt and led them into the promised land uh, uh, under Joshua, really. And, And so God, one after another, would actually allow conquering kingdoms to come in and completely conquer them and take them captive. And and what we find is in this part of Israel's history, uh, the Babylonian Empire has taken Israel captive. And not only that, they, they took them away as well. So they took them out of the land of Israel and they took them back to Babylon and they dispersed them throughout the Babylonian Empire. And so that's the backdrop. It's 140 years since Israel has been taken and led captive out of Israel and they're in the Babylonian Empire. And that's where we pick up the story of this book of Nehemiah. By the way, just wondering, anyone know who the shortest man in the Bible was? Anyone? Anyone? Nehemiah. That's who it was, Nehemiah. And, and so that's where we're going to be looking. We're going to be looking at the shortest man in the Bible, Nehemiah. Uh, anyone know who the fattest woman in the Bible was? By the way, we're not looking at that today, but the fattest woman in the Bible? The woman of Samaria, because she was of Samaria. So anyway, uh, those, that's just a little Bible facts for you right there, a little Bible humor. But we're looking at Nehemiah, 140 years, so think about this. How many generations, four generations of slaves? Four generations enslaved. Four generations in captivity. And then God moves on the heart of one man. One man. And his name was Nehemiah. The walls of the city of Jerusalem were completely destroyed. The temple had been torn down during the Babylonian uh, captivity when when they conquered Israel. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. That sounds like a pretty good gig, doesn't it? Do you know what the cupbearer of the king's job was? That, that whenever the king went to eat a meal, before he drank out of his chalice, you had to drink out of it first in case it was poisoned. So you were the one that was going to drop dead. That was his job. He was the cupbearer of the king. Now, that being said, it was a very, very trusted position because you're literally right there at the king's side all the time. And so that's Nehemiah. He was the cupbearer to the king of Babylon, the most powerful man on the face of the earth at the time. And he was Jewish. He was an Israelite. And God moves on the heart of this man, Nehemiah, with what we, you might hear referred to as a divine burden. It was divine direction. He, he had a burden after 140 years. He'd never, think about this, he'd never even seen Israel before. Never even been there. It was his great-great-grandparents who had lived there. He'd never lived there. And God gave him a burden for his homeland, for Jerusalem, and for the temple. Oftentimes, this is the way that we really first experience divine direction. God gives us kind of a nudge, a, 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 a passion about something that it seems like not everyone else is passionate about, not even most people are passionate about. And, and, and it's a divine direction. It's, it's a nudge in the direction that God wants us to go. And so this divine burden is, is, is what really uh, shook up Nehemiah. I know for me personally as a pastor, many, many years ago, God gave me like a burden. And you know what it was for? All those in our community that don't know Jesus Christ. And so we literally, very methodically, with with hopefully God's direction, I think it was, we began to change literally how we did church so we could reach those that didn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That, that, that we, we redefined why we exist as a church, that we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the benefit of the non-members, those who have never been here before. That's why we exist, to reach them with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And it's like a burden of mine. As I drive around Dutchess County and, 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 and across the river even and, and down into Westchester County, and, and just, just this past week I was over in Danbury, and it's just like I just look in people's eyes and I'm like, 
ah. It's just like this whole area, just, I have like a burden. And, and it's what started out really, really small. And, well, I'll share some of the story that's happened since. So I can relate to this. I, I wonder if you can too. Just a passion for something that maybe not necessarily everyone has a passion for. That's what Nehemiah had. And, and it kind of shakes you up. It just, you feel like something's got to be done about this. I did some study a few years ago about how many percentage-wise unchurched people live in just Dutchess County. It's close to 200,000 in our county. And even as I was thinking about it, you know what struck me? I just said, I'm not okay with that. It doesn't matter how big the church is. 200,000 people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not okay with that. And so we want to do as a church everything we possibly can, short of sin, to reach as many people as we possibly can. Because they're just not okay with 200,000 people on my watch not knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so that's how this divine burden kind of starts. And it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, something about, you know, uh, a church or something like that. It could be about anything, really. For Nehemiah, it was about his city, his homeland, Jerusalem. And it just kind of, you know, like kept him awake at night. So Nehemiah, the cupbuilder to the king, has this burden. He's not a builder. He's not into construction. He's like into sipping wine. That's his job. And he has this burden and he decides... I'm going to go to the king of Babylon and I'm going to ask him to let me gather a group of my fellow Jews and Israelites together to go back and rebuild the walls of the city. We don't have any history. He's never built anything. He's just a wine sipper. And yet this was the burden that God had given to him. Where in the world do you start? Put yourself in in Nehemiah's sandals for just a minute. Where do you start? It's pretty interesting where you start, according to Nehemiah. And that's what I want to, I just want to read this. Nehemiah starts by, you know what he does? He prays. Before he goes to the king, he prays. And I just want to read that prayer because I thought about, well, maybe I'll just summarize it in a couple bullet points. I was like, this is just too good to be summarized. If you've never heard this prayer of Nehemiah, it's phenomenal. It's like, in my opinion, it's like one of the greatest prayers in all the Bible. Listen to what it says. Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. O Lord, God of heaven. This is his prayer, literally, before he goes to the king of Babylon. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love, with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. Watch this now. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Do you hear what Nehemiah does right there? As a great leader, all great leaders do, doesn't point the finger, identifies with the people that he leads. He says, I'm just like them. I'm not better than them. I'm not more wealthy. I'm more more intellectual. I'm, I'm not more brilliant. None of those things. I'm just like everyone else. He says, my people have sinned. My family has sinned. And even I I've sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees, the regulations that you gave us through your Moses servant. Nehemiah says, you told us, God, if we served you, you'd protect us. You also told us if we disobeyed you, we would be led into captivity. And that's exactly what happened. And he continues to pray. Verse 8, please remember what you told your servant Moses If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, 
I will bring you back to the place that I have chosen for my name to be honored. Nehemiah saying, God, remember the promise you made? Do you remember that? And he continues to pray. Listen to this now. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. The fact about the matter, even the request, when Nehemiah went to the king, if the king was like, who do you think you are? Just had to give a little motion and Nehemiah is a dead man. But what does Nehemiah do first? He prays. He, he prays, he says, God, and, and he's not like, I'm holier than everyone else, I'm perfect, I, I, I'm so much better than everybody else. He's like, we've sinned as a nation of Israel, my family has sinned, and you know what, I've sinned too. I'm in the same boat as everybody else. And I ask you, Lord, help me. There's so much about leadership in this story of Nehemiah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I took an entire class in college on this book of Nehemiah. Not a very long book, but there's so many leadership principles in this book of Nehemiah. He starts with prayer, and then you know what he does? He takes the first step. He starts with prayer, and then he does something. He takes the first step. He goes to the king, and he asks permission, and the king says, Nehemiah, Go ahead. You're free to do it. Absolutely amazing. Just this is the start of the story. Absolutely amazing that the king would even say, you can do that. So, so here's the big question as, as we're in this last message in this series about divine direction called Just Start. How do you make, how do you do something big? How do you do something big? Here's the thing. Maybe you're here and you're wondering, you know, I feel like there's something big that I want to do. Maybe it's, a, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better husband. I want to start a business. I, I want to go back to school and get the degree I never got. You, you know, I, I, God's put something in my heart. I have this dream, but it just seems way too big, way too impossible for, for me to actually do this. How do you do something really, really big? Here's the first thing, just two points really today. Here's the first one, start small. That's how you do something really big. You start small. You don't start huge, you don't start gigantic. You start small. That's how you do something really, really big. We looked at this already, this verse uh, in this series, but I think it's worth looking back at again. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, and I want to kind of peel it back a little bit for us. Zechariah 4, 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God rejoices to see the first step. The first little step. How do you accomplish, how do you do something really, really big that God's put in your heart? Start small. Take that first, and I say that very deliberately, baby step. Because you know what I'm talking about, parents, right? The baby step. When, when your little toddler pulls himself up for the first time and takes that drunken Frankenstein like that. You know what I'm talking about? It's like all of a sudden they pull himself up and they go. And what do you do, parents? You're not like, what's wrong with you? You, you can't even walk a straight line. You're, what is wrong with you? You got a messed up kid. You turn to your spouse. Really? This is your fault. They take after your family. I mean, what do you do? When you see that baby pull out the first time, you go, you go nuts, don't you? You're like, did you see that? Did you see? And a lot of times they fall right on their face. But what do you do? You rejoice in the first step. Because you're a great parent, or you're a great grandparent. But you know what? As great as you are, you're nothing compared to our Heavenly Father. And the Bible says, the Lord rejoices to see the first step. Just start. And for some of us, you know, we want to just like be real suave and everything like that. Okay, I'm going to start now. 
Here I go. You never see a baby do that, do you? Just start. Perfection is the enemy of launch. So many people are up in their head. It's got to be perfect, and they accomplish nothing in this life because perfection is the enemy of launch. The Bible tells us God rejoices in the day of small beginnings. Teeny, tiny, small beginnings because you never know where the rest of it's going to lead. So just Start. Just start. You feel off balance. You feel all kilter. It feels like everything's spinning around you. Just start. Nehemiah says, the city, the walls of Jerusalem are totally devastated. It's been 140 years. I've never even seen it myself. I'm going to take a step. Pray. And I'm going to ask the king. Just start. Small steps. It seemed absolutely impossible. Nehemiah, not only he, he gathered the leaders together, he gathered the officials, and he said, we got to go do this. And he took them back, those that were willing to go back. Listen to this now. Nehemiah, who knew nothing about construction, and in 52 days, rebuilt the entire wall around the city of Jerusalem. You couldn't do that nowadays. 52 days. No construction background. No, no, in 52 days, completely rebuilt the wall of the city. And you say, that, that, it's just absolutely impossible, right? It, it seems like an absolute miracle. How did he do it? You know what he did after he went to the king? He packed his bags. That was the next step. And he made sure he had his toothbrush in there and a clean pair of underwear. And he packed his bags. And you know what the next thing he did? Next thing he did, he traveled 850 miles from Susa in Babylon to Jerusalem on donkey. And this is all documented in the book of Nehemiah. 850 miles on donkey, and then it's pretty interesting. Once he got to Jerusalem, it says he waited for three days. You know why he waited. You know why 850 miles on a donkey? Are you kidding? I'd be waiting like three weeks. But it says he waited three days. There's like this three-day gap. And then it says after three days, it says he just like did nothing for three days. We know what he did. He nursed his wounds. And then it says he went by night and he investigated the walls or what was not there of the walls, what should be there of the walls. And then he rallied the people, and he said, it's time for us to get to work. And you know what? There was such great opposition by those who were inhabiting the ruins of Jerusalem at the time that they literally, the Bible says in the book of Nehemiah, that they built the wall. In one hand, they had a builder's trowel for the stone. The other hand, they had a sword because they literally had to fight off the enemy while they were building stone by stone. How's that for opposition? We talked about that last week. We'll look at it again in just a second. For opposition, and in 52 days, they complete the construction of the wall around the city of Jerusalem. Absolutely miraculous. Start small. He gathered, uh, he, he gathered the officials together, and listen to what he says here in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. It says, then I said to them, so Nehemiah's writing this literally, he says, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and his gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. This is before they start the construction. And we will no longer be in disgrace. He goes, come on, God, let's do this together. Again, I love that. That's leadership. Instead of, I'm going to stand here and tell you what to do. He says, let us build the wall together great leader, Nehemiah. And it goes on and it says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. 52 days. Still at this point, even as he's starting, he didn't know all the details. He didn't know how it was going to even happen. But he followed the Spirit's prompting and he followed it into 
certain uncertainty. Sound familiar? Last week. But we talked about this embracing the process. Spirit's prompting and then certain uncertainty. He didn't know what it was going to be. He was like, I'm just going to ride there. I'm going to bring it and I'm going to investigate. And Okay, this is what it looks like. See, here's the key. Don't miss this now. You don't have to have faith to finish, but you do have to have faith to start. God is not requiring that you have the faith to even finish the project, but do you have the faith to start? The faith, that's all it requires, the faith to just take the step. Just to take the step like Nehemiah. Just to, I've got a burden. I, I've, I've got a spirit prompting. I've got a, a divine disturbance in my heart that I'm passionate about something. That it's just, I've got to do something about this. I can't sit by any longer. And you take the first step because you don't have to have the faith to finish. But you do have to have the faith to start. So many times I think the truth is we don't want to start small, do we? We, we have these big dreams. We're like, it's got to be big or it's nothing. But we don't recognize the small start, the baby steps and how critical they are. Starting small, don't get me wrong. Starting small doesn't mean thinking small. We can think big, but you still start small. If you want to do something big, think big, but start small. When I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I felt like God gave me a, a desire to be a pastor. So I went to Bible college, and uh, right before my junior and senior year in college, and I grew up in this church, and many of you know the story, uh, I was offered an internship in the youth ministry to be the summer youth pastor here at Valley Christian Church. And, and so it was my home, and, and my dad was pastor, and so I was like, all right, I'll do that. And so that summer, boy, I just tried, I just poured everything I could into, it was about 10 students in, in the whole youth ministry. And, and I just spent a lot of time with them, and, and we had fun, and I preached, man, I preached best, I just preached, preach, preach, best I could. And I never dreamed in a million years that I'd ever, and I've had opportunities, and Susie's been there with me, I, I, I've literally preached in front of thousands and thousands of people one time before, just thousands and thousands. I never dreamed that that was going to happen. All I knew was that, that God put in my heart to be a pastor. And I was like, okay, these 10 folks are going to be my, these, these are my, like, I'm the shepherd. They're going to be my sheep for three months. I had no idea what God was going to do, but just start small. Do you know what God did with that group of 10 people? Myself and 10 other students? It, it, myself and, and, and that group, three senior pastors came out of that, that group. Three, three, three people that are, myself included, senior pastors, one in Montana, one in Delaware, and yours truly right here. Not only that, there was a fourth one that was in that group as a student, as a teenager, Arlington High School, who's the chair of theology at Wheaton College, which is one of the most prestigious Christian colleges in our nation, the chair of theology. And that small group, 10 students. I had no idea. No idea. All I knew was God was like, start small. They called me at college. Hey, Greg, you coming home this summer? Yes. You want to be our summer youth pastor? Okay, how many students you have? Ten when everyone shows up. All right, I'll take it. Start small. I had no idea. It's so important that the Bible tells us he was faithful with little given much. Maybe you look right now and say, Greg, you know, I got a little. I don't have a lot of anything. God wants to see how you'll be faithful with the little he's entrusted to you. Think about how small an acorn, acorn is. But one acorn releases an oak tree. Small. Think big, start small. First step, start small. Just by all means, start, start. Here's the second key, so important. 
how Nehemiah accomplishes, how God wants to work in and through our lives when we're talking about starting. Take the next step. <laughs> Not real profound in this message today, but really, really practical. Because this is, so many times it's the start that stops us. We never get past go. We never get past start. Think about it. Talk about it. Dream about it. Do nothing about it. For too many of us. Take the next step. Look at what Nehemiah chapter 2, and this was not without some adversity. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2 and taking the next step. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, these are the, the inhabitants and the leaders that are in Jerusalem that are not Jewish, and they're coming back now, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, to rebuild the, the walls of the city of Jerusalem. When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshen, the Arab, see, that's why I went to college, so I could pronounce those things. Uh, okay, heard about this. They mocked and they ridiculed us. Nehemiah was like, they made fun of us. They mocked us. They, they threatened us. What is this you're doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? They're like, you don't have a right to be here. There's no way the king said you could come back and do this. And goes on and he says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start building. Spirit's prompting, Nehemiah has his burden. Certain uncertainty, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if it's possible. But God, just let me find favor in the king's eyes. Predictable resistance right here. What are you doing? They're mocking. They're mocking me, God. But you put this burden in my heart. They're mocking me. They're making fun of me. My friends think I'm an idiot. Uncommon confidence. The God of heaven will give us success we, his servants, will start building. See, see, this process we talked about last week, those are the four points, it happens over and over and over and over. This is the process of divine direction. Last week we talked about the Apostle Paul, how, how God used this process of divine direction in his life. This is, this is almost a thousand years, or maybe six or seven hundred years before Paul, the same exact process God uses in his life as well. Spirit's prompting, certain uncertainty, predictable resistance, uncommon confidence. They're, they're literally mocking and ridiculing him. By the way, I, I jotted this down. I was a little late coming in because I, I jotted this down because I remember hearing this and it really stuck with me about how to, how to have victory over your enemies. You ready for this? This isn't in PowerPoint or anything. Here it is. Ready? Outlast them, outlove them, and outfruit them. That's how you have victory over your enemies. Outlast them, outlove them, and outfruit them. That's what Nehemiah did. They're mocking him and all. And he goes, I'll show you. The God of heaven will give us success. His servants, we as servants, are going to start building. We're going to outlast you. We're going to outlove you. And we're going to outfruit you. We're, we're, we're going to do the God of heaven's, our heavenly father's business. And you'll see you're wrong. Uncommon confidence. I want to share something with you now, Valley family, and those of you who are here, those of you who are watching at our Poughkeepsie campus, those of you who are watching our online campus. And, and I really, I, I told my wife uh, that I was going to do this because I'm really uptight about it. I'm really nervous about this. But I feel like it's time for me to take a baby step. I, I've been a, a leader, a pastor for maybe 27 years. And uh, I'm a pastor of a church, but it's, it's a nonprofit, you know. And this is the hardest type of organization to lead. Anyone will tell you that. Because you're mainly working with volunteers. And if you can lead a nonprofit, you can lead anything. And through a series of circumstances, in fact, two years ago today, a network of ministers, is international and global, uh, was transitioned to me to be the president of. And, and even this past week, we had some leaders from a church in Cayman Islands that came for a whole week of training and equipping. And they were just absolutely blown away by the staff here. They're like, 
I can't even believe it. And, and they, they're back in Cayman Islands now and texting like, you know, the pastor's like, I can't even sleep. I just, I, I'm just getting so busy and so geeked up about what I learned there. And, and over the last few years, more and more and more, I've seen that God's just brought leaders across my radar that, that I don't know everything. I'm not an expert, but I've made all the mistakes possible. And, and, and I feel like God's just telling me, Greg, it's time to, to kind of draw on that wisdom from a lot of mistakes and to just help other leaders grow as leaders. And so every year we have this annual conference down in Atlanta, Georgia for, for this organization called Acts Global Network that I'm the president of uh, for two years now. I'm, I'm taking a step and I've changed the location. And in October it's gonna be here at Valley Christian Church. And wait, I appreciate it, really do. And I don't know with the location change if anybody's even going to show up. <laughs> but I have this increasing burden just to help leaders grow in their leadership, especially entrepreneurs. And, and, and so that's going to be the focus in October of a three-day conference that's going to be held here. And, and, and the, the phrase that, as I was praying about it, the phrase that just kept coming through my mind was this, breaking barriers, building bridges. And that's what the whole conference is going to be about. And, and you, Valley family, those of you who are business leaders and all this stuff, I invite you to come. And, you know, I know Susie's going to be here. I don't know who else. I know Susie's going to be here. And, and, uh, uh, and, 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 and I'm just taking this step. And you know what? Maybe only, you know, everyone's used to flying into Atlanta from all over the country, all over the world, literally. I don't know how many are going to make it up here to New York. But maybe there's just four or five. But, but here's the thing. I'm not going to despise the day of small beginnings. Because I just... I just want to help leaders just become better leaders. And you know what that's doing to me? It's pushing me too. It's pushing me to have to become a better leader. And, and so I wanted to share that with you now in April for the accountability's sake. Because <laughs> we haven't sent anything out yet and, and the tech team's working on some graphics and a web page and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, once that's out there, we got to do it. And I just felt like in the context of this message, God was saying, I want you to take that step. And I want you to take it in front of your church. And I want you to just share with them what I put on your heart. And like I said, it, it may be small, but I just feel like God's saying, take the step. Take the step. And then take the next step. And the one after that. I feel like I'm getting a little divine direction. And so I'm really, really excited about October when we have, and it's called actually, the name we call it is Conexus, which is a Greek word. It means to bring two things together. And so it's the Conexus 17, 2017 conference. And we're going to have it here on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, primarily Monday and Tuesday in October. And the, the whole way, the, the whole reason I'm sharing that is because, again, 20, 27 years leading a nonprofit, I haven't done it right. <laughs> haven't made all the right, you know, perfect decisions or anything, but I've made every mistake. And like I said, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And I've learned an awful lot. And, and so I just want to help community leaders, business leaders, just leaders in every facet, every field, just to grow in their leadership. They're bringing Conexus 17 here. And, and so I have no idea what the outcome of this is going to be. But, but God's been speaking to me through this series. And I just felt like he's like, tell them. Tell them this weekend so now you can't backtrack on it anymore. That this is what's going to happen. So, so maybe you're here and maybe it's not leading a conference. Maybe it's losing 20 pounds and you just eat one leaf of lettuce, and it's like you gain 12, you know? And it's just like, what in the world's gonna happen? Just take the first step. Just take the first step. Just one step at a time. Maybe, maybe God's giving you just a, a real increased desire in your heart to, to know him better. Just, just to read, don't, don't, don't try to read through the Bible in one week. Just read a chapter. Just read one chapter every day, just for the purpose of getting to know him better. Just one step at a time. 
Maybe it's to get more involved here at Valley Christian Church. You're like, you know what? I don't want to sit on the sideline anymore. And, and I want to get involved. And I, I want to I serve. I want to actually serve. And, and, and so you can talk to any one of our staff members. If you haven't gone through growth track, I encourage you to go through growth track. Because we have the step-by-step, hold your hand to find out what fits best for you. And then you know what's going to happen? You just take that step. I'm going to serve. I'm just going to do something. Maybe it's, it's, it's the kids. Maybe it's a teenager just to, uh, or, or going to a short-term group, just getting more involved. Maybe, maybe it's making coffee in the cafe. And you just take that one step. You know, we, we did this redesign up here on the stage. Our tech guys, I had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Um, and, and there's a reason why I had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Because you, you see that molding around that stained glass? You see that up there? When I was in college... I stained that molding, and I hung that molding. I nailed that molding up there. I I never thought I'd be the pastor of this church, but all I knew was God wanted me to be a pastor, and I just wanted to take a step. I got up on that ladder. That's why I didn't do it this week. I got up on that ladder when I was 19 years old. Tap, 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 tap. I had that miter saw and all that, and I cut those angles, and I put it up there. Just one step. And you know what? You just take one step following God's divine direction, and then you take the other step following God's divine direction, and you take the other step, and then you know what happens? One day, five years from now, you open your drawer, and you got all these Valley Christian Church t-shirts. You got all these t-shirts in there from all you're doing, because you serve on the host team, you serve in the cafe, you serve in the children's thing. We give you a t-shirt, you're the setup team. First in, Philo, first in, last out. You got the Philo shirt, which by the way, all those are gonna be collector's items come Easter, and that's all I'm saying. Something's happening, and you don't wanna miss the bar of mine. So anyway, uh, it's just, just one step at a time. One step at a time. Take the first step, small step. And then you take the next step. St. Francis of Assisi put it this way. Start doing what's necessary. Then what's possible. Then suddenly, you're doing the impossible. I love that. Just start with what's necessary. Just start with the first step. Just take that small first step. And then the next step following divine direction. I, I, I heard a, a leader say this recently, a, a pastor, and I, man, I wish someone had told me this when I was younger. L- listen to this, this wisdom. I wish, I wish when I was a, a 20, 20-something pastor in this church, 24 years old, became the pastor. I wish someone had told me this. Listen to what he said. He said, when you start out, you'll overestimate what God is gonna do through your life in the short term. As you start out, you will overestimate how God is going to use you and work through your life in the short term. But over the long haul, you'll underestimate the impact God will make through your life over the long haul. See, we want it instant. We want it big. We want it huge tomorrow. But God says, there's a process I'm working you through. And it takes perseverance. And it's over the long haul. And the things that really matter, it takes time. You know what happened as soon as Nehemiah finished the wall of Jerusalem in 52 days? Do you know what he did? They were like, yeah, woo-hoo. They started celebrating. And then Nehemiah gets up and goes, this is a great victory. This is fantastic. Now you know what we need to do? We need to start rebuilding the economy of Jerusalem. And then we need to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And God used Nehemiah to completely rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Not just the buildings, the economy, business, everything like that. He just started him in this process again. This is the process, but it all starts with that step. Let me end with this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Just starting. Start small, take the next step. Galatians 6, 9 puts it this way. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't quit. Take the first step. 
Nothing is ever accomplished by quitting unless you're quitting sin. That's the only time anything's ever accomplished in your life. No other time does quitting accomplish anything. It always is a loss unless you're quitting and you're turning your back on sin. Don't give up. We become weary in doing good, but don't quit. Don't give up. Can you imagine? What would we even be talking about? What, what, what would the nation of Israel today be in? What condition would it be if it weren't for a cupbearer? Just his job was sipping wine. No construction background. But God gave him divine direction. And he said, I'm not okay with this. I have to do something to make this change. I've got to make a change. Start small. Be faithful. If you get down, you get frustrated, keep on going. Keep on going. You know, for me personally, it was year 22 of being a pastor that we began to see explosive growth in this church. 22 years. 22 years of just shoulder to the grindstone. Keep going. Give it your best. Do it for Jesus. Don't quit. Keep going. Do your best. Do it for Jesus. Keep going. Don't quit. Give it your best. Do it for Jesus. And then 22, 2012, after 22 years, boom. I'm so glad I didn't quit after 21 years and 11 months. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Dream big. Start small. But most of all, just start. The smallest step in the right direction May, have the, may end up being the biggest step of your entire life. Let me say it again. The smallest step in the right direction may end up being the biggest step of your entire life. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now that, Lord, as we've looked at this incredible story of Nehemiah and what you did through this cupbearer. Father, I, I just pray right now that faith would rise in our hearts. Faith in the hearts of your people, men and women and young people, to start, to take the first step, knowing that just like a good father, a good parent, you rejoice in the day of small beginning. You rejoice in the first step when we take that step in following your divine direction. And Father, I just pray, give us the courage to take the, the next step after that. And the next step after that, realize that we don't have to have the faith to finish, but we just need the faith to start. And then we need the faith just to take the next step. And then the faith just for the next one. And Lord, that we just follow your divine direction in our life. Father, I pray that you give me courage. Give, give me courage for this conference in October, Connects to 17, as I just take this, this step, this step of faith, just this risk, just be there with me, Lord. I, I, and you're pushing me. I feel it. And I want to obey. I want to obey what you say today. And I'll obey what you say tomorrow as well. And right now, with our eyes closed, our heads bowed, I just want to ask, are you here right now? Maybe, maybe you're, you're saying, I, I'd love some divine direction in my life, Greg. I don't know how to get it. How, how do I start that? Well, this, the starting point is inviting Jesus into your life, inviting him into your life as your Savior, as your Lord, of recognizing that God loves you so much. As much as you even might think he loves you, you haven't even scratched the surface of how much he cares for you. 
That's what we're going to be celebrating just coming up this week of, of Jesus' perfect life and his sacrificial death on the cross for your sins and for my sins. That he paid the price that we deserved because he loved us so much. And that not only did he, did he pay the price, we know that confidently because he rose again three days later. Paid in full. We don't have to fear that. We don't have to earn God's forgiveness. It's a free gift from God when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, if, if you're here right now and, and, and you just want some of that divine direction in your life to, to receive Jesus as your Savior and, and to really trust your life, trust Jesus to direct the rest of your life, I, I want to just lead you in a real simple prayer. That, that just the starting point. What a great first step today that will change your life forever. So if that's you, I just want to encourage you to follow and repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I receive forgiveness right now for my sins because of his sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. And I turn from those sins now. In Jesus' name. And God, I invite you to lead my life. I trust you to lead my life from this day forward with your divine direction as I follow Jesus as my Savior. In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.